From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony Bruski along with Jenny Bruski again for another episode. If you have a real ghost story, call it in to us, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to dial, or just go to our website at RealGhostStoriesOnline.com and click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. We need your stories, because that's what fuels our show. Without them, we can't do a show, okay? So, uh, yeah, please uh, get us those, uh, those ghost stories and uh, tell a friend about it. If you're on iTunes, Stitcher listening to us, uh, some stars, some ratings, some uh, positive reviews, that helps us greatly. Uh, if you're on YouTube or any other platform, uh, again, there, reviews, comments, all that uh, really helps us along. And, of course, sharing the show with a friend, uh, also very, very important to the show's growth and a better show for you. Why is it that there's uh, always uh, the assumption of an old schoolhouse being haunted? When you see an old schoolhouse, was, uh, I said that today. I don't know. I always get the feeling that there's some energy there because I, I have to say, you know, I was a good student, so I really enjoyed school. But I know that's not the case for every child. Sure. And, and I wasn't super into a lot of school, but I don't know. I, I just find it odd that every time there's an old schoolhouse somewhere, the first question that comes to everyone's mind is, is it haunted? And it's the first question that comes to my mind, too. And I don't know why that is. I think it's probably just a conditioning thing where everybody's said it your whole life and you think, oh, haunted. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the you know, relationship there with, with why that would be. You know, is it, is it because, and it's, it's typically, although I, I can't say that. Uh, I was going to say typically it's like the old schoolhouse schoolhouse that you think of like little house on the prairie style schoolhouse mm-hmm. and my thought process there would be well a lot of kids died you know at a young age back then there was a lot more child mortality rates were a lot higher and it was, wasn't that great um so i i could see you know maybe that was a, a happy place for some of those kids and you know maybe that's where they ended up going back i don't know i don't know um you know, anytime I see an old building, yeah. I think, is it haunted? Just strictly because it's old. Yeah. But like today, and I don't know if this is a trend throughout the country, but they're turning old school buildings that sure. aren't terribly old into apartments. Yeah. And the first thing I said when we drove by was, I don't think I'd want to live there. <laughs> is it haunted? Yeah. And, you know, I don't really know why I, I said that, but that's just how I felt. Schools, in most cases, are not typically the sites of horrible tragedies i mean well, in most cases well, in, and statistically it is most cases there's very few where there was a horrific thing that went on in there you know if, right. you're, if you're looking at schools as a whole right so i mean i get it if it's a school that had something horrible happen in it but if it's just your average school you know i don't know there's a lot of energy that, that children have and give off especially like in those teenage years i know teenagers are more susceptible to hauntings and mm-hmm. paranormal activity so, I don't know, it's just because there's a lot of energy that was dispelled in those places and so many changes that went on with the individuals at those times? I don't know. I don't know. You know, those childhood years never leave you, and yeah. you think about them all the time. So, there's something there, you know, some kind of residual energy. It makes you wonder if when you if, if you you know get to choose if you're going to become a ghost or not, and if you can, can you choose at... You know what? What age you go back to being? Can you pick an age? You can go. I want to go back to being uh, ten, you know, and go be a ghost of my ten-year-old self. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you could go back to your school. I don't know, but it's just it's one of those places where I just go. You know, yeah, maybe it's a place a lot of kids didn't like being, but a lot of them grew up to be adults and lived lives. Why are they back there haunting the place well, unless they died at that age? And like you said, you know, if a tragic thing happened at a school, a lot of times the school's not probably going to still be around, you know, honestly. Sure. There was a school not too far from where I grew up in Texas. And back in the 30s, there was a freak um, natural gas explosion, took out the whole school. Yeah. Wiped out 90% of the town's children. God. It did. And it was, her, you know, unprecedented yeah. disaster. But I don't know that there's any hauntings because there's like nothing left. The school's not there. No. Yeah. So I could see the grounds being haunted. You know? Oh, sure. But yeah. But I, the, uh, there's a school that I went into a couple of years ago and uh, it, it was one that I drove by day in and day out. And uh, I, I, was but, that 
BTK's elementary yes, school? Yes, it was BTK's elementary school. There you go. And it was a school that um, it was defunct. Like I, I did drive by it when it was active, and then it got became just kind of dezoned and taken out of the district. And then it just sat there rotting away for a couple of years. But it was active like 2003 or 2004, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit later. Um, and then it just became this defunct school and slowly just started rotting away. Then eventually um, it, it was up for debate of whether it would become condos. Nobody wanted to buy into it. And they just eventually were going to tear it down. And when they were starting to tear it down, I thought I'd love to get in there with a the camera. So I made a couple calls to figure out who owned the place and who was tearing it down. I said, hey, can I just come in there with a camera i'm not here to you know destroy anything or i'm not here to take anything and i'm not here to expose you doing something wrong i just like creepy photos <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's all i want i just want to take some creepy photos of a school being torn down that's it you know i'll stay out of your way I'm like yeah fine just you know let them know what you're there for you know when sure. you go in so i went in and i took a bunch of photos I'll, I'll link up i'll put the video on the page on our website um it's called ghost school and I just went through the video camera and just took some creepy shots and uh, put some creepy music to it. And it's just kind of, that was a, a weird building going through it. There was some weird energy in there. Mm-hmm. And I it's, it was very hard for me to put my finger on the weird energy if it was because I was walking through an abandoned school and there's all these remnants of classrooms that we had growing up you know there's speakers on the wall they were like laying on the ground and kind of broken and desk parts and school doors with numbers on that were broken laying on the ground and you know just everything that was always you know very much you would see day in and day out growing up in school in tip-top shape in utter disarray and disrepair like a balance beam was up on a counter. Remember like when you had to do the balance beam in oh, elementary? Sure. And this was yeah. an elementary school. So it was a lot of elementary type things. Mm-hmm. Hopscotch boards in the gym. It was it was sad. It was just a really weird vibe. And then also knowing that BTK went to school there uh, put a whole other twist on the whole thing. And, and You B- know, maybe something happened in that building that made him turn the way he did. <laughs> You know, maybe he had a teacher that just pushed him too far. He really misinterpreted the C-Spot run books. It was just, C-spot run. <laughs> it, was, it was taken really the wrong way, you know, when, when Jane was doing something, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, formative years, you know, something could have happened there, you know, right. it, it's, you can't really discount that. Do you think it's because our minds are so full of memories of school that maybe that's why hauntings happen, that people go back or, or I don't know. You know, it. It could be, you know, th- those are things that haunt your memories for the rest of your life. I still have dreams about not getting my locker combination right. And I'm sitting there <laughs> trying to get it open and then get to class, you know, on the other side of the building. And it was just, I hate those dreams. <laughs> or all I will actually have locker combinations comes back to me. Like mm-hmm. I- I'll wake up at 3.30. I can tell you what my locker combination was in seventh grade, you know. <laughs> It'll be gone like that. Sure. But I'll be able to pick out the year. I'll be, p- tell you where the locker was and what the combination was out of nowhere. Now, when we went through the old school up in that, um, there's a ghost town here in Kansas called Elmdale. And it used to, not that long ago, there were a bunch of residents. But now I think there's like a handful. So it, it kind of qualifies as a ghost town. Yeah. And it's got a defunct old limestone school. And the building itself is really neat just because you don't see a lot of limestone schools still standing here. But, you know, you and I went through it. It was kind of a urban exploration thing, but out in the woods. And, yeah. and I didn't get any vibes at all from it. It was just a nasty old building. And that's where it was hard. That's kind of how I felt in that school that I went mm-hmm. through. It was hard to really put, am I getting weird vibes because this is just a defunct building that's falling apart? Mm-hmm. And naturally, it just kind of has weird vibes to it or is there something else about it i don't know i never had heard anything about the the ghost school quote unquote of what i called it in the video um being haunted i never Mm -hmm. had nor did i really talk to anyone though either i never asked the neighbors hey you ever see kids hanging out their their faces looking through the windows (laughs) sure you know but um i think it would be also kind of odd to walk up to the neighbors and going hi i'm just curious ghost children cross the street anything you know that might not work out too well there was an episode of unsolved mysteries back in the day um and you could, this is, I believe it's on the DVD where it's the ghosts episode and it's like a four DVD set. And I loved that episode and that show. Um, and it was of a, a school that was trying to be torn down. 
mm-hmm. of an old elementary school. And it really reminded me of the school that I went through because it was probably built, you know, the 40s or the 50s and then torn down. It was, you know, the 80s and Unsolved Mysteries was on. So being torn down in the 80s. It was probably in the 50s. It was very much a baby boomers yeah. school. So they, they tore it down. But when they were trying to tear this down in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, um, like uh, walls blew out of the building. Like, I think a worker was killed. Oh. Like, it was just, like, bricks just mm-hmm. exploded. Like, dynamite was behind them. And there wasn't. It just exploded. Um, and there was a lot of issues just trying to get the school torn down. Eventually, it was torn down, but it was something was stopping them from tearing it down. For an unsolved mysteries, dork, and like that show in the 80s, look that one up. Look up Haunted School or something. I don't know what it's under, but it was a creepy episode about a haunted school. I can never watch that show. The theme song always freaked me oh, out. Oh, it's best theme music. We should use that on this show sometime. Oh. Although it'll probably get flagged because I'm sure it's like copywritten and there'll be some sort of... Sometimes creepy music will get to me more than the actual supposed to be scary stuff. Like the theme for Michael Myers in mm-hmm. the Halloween... I can't stand that. That's yeah. the worst. I loved the Unsolved Mysteries theme music. That was that was my favorite. I want to... Oh, let's just see if we can find a little bit of Unsolved Mysteries theme music. What was also creepy was Robert Stack. Um, who hosted Unsolved Mysteries. I mean, he just was like the perfect host. He was like a half step less creepy than Vincent Price. He was like one step away from death the whole time he was on the show. It was just, you know, I'm Robert Stack on Unsolved Mysteries. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. When that theme music came on, you knew it was going to be tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. You know what? I still hate it. I love this. I still hate it. A woman was butchered in her basement. You know what else got to me? By a pack of wild kittens. It wasn't as creepy as Unsolved Mysteries, but the Rescue 911 theme song. What was a Rescue 911? Oh, I can't really find that one. (laughs) Sorry, we promise we will get to the ghost stories. Yeah, we've we've told some ghost stories here. Here we go, Rescue 911. Yeah, because they were on back-to-back, weren't they? I think so. And they put the little snippets in there. Someone's dying! Yeah. My cat's in the tree! I hated that, too. That was William Shatner, right? Yeah. Yep. See, we always watched it without fail because my dad was a cop. Sure. So it was very good for a seven-year-old to learn what was going on when their dad went to work. Hey, Rescue 911, I think, prevented a lot of kids from doing a lot of stupid things. They needed that, that kind of show on now. I think we should start just showing old episodes from YouTube of Rescue 911 to our children. <laughs> hey, kids, look what happened to this kid. It didn't work out so well, now, did it? You know, although no one ever died on Rescue 911. Yeah, sometimes people die. Really? Sometimes they showed it and they were like, so-and-so never didn't survive. Every once in a while. That was rare. That was very rare. Because remember the, the old lady that got hit by the random boxcar? Oh, yeah, she died. She died. The husband lived, though. Yeah. but It, it seemed I like still, there was always somewhat of a happy ending on Rescue 911, I though. still check like four times before I cross because I never know when that random boxcar came loose and it's going to come barreling at me. random ghost boxcar flying down there. Anyway. Uh, anyway, let's go to a, uh, a real ghost story now that was written into us. Uh, it's actually to follow up, I believe, here from something that uh, was on a, a previous episode. And by the way, if you have a real ghost story, uh, call into us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. You got like 10 minutes on there to leave a, a ghost story or two minutes, whatever you want, uh, whatever your story amounts to. Uh, this letter says, hey, Tony, I was actually going to write in today anyways, but then you read my episode on uh, an episode. My name's Griffin. The last story you shared is mine. Uh, so instead, I'll follow up a bit on a story, then go into what I originally wanted to email you about. So first, I would agree that I was projecting the feelings of the ghosts. When I would get depressed, I would feel that uh, it was the old man, but the other feelings had no attachment to anything I had witnessed. I do keep my mind open to ghosts since I am fascinated by them and wish to have more contact, although I do hope nothing demonic comes through. That would just suck. I had always wanted to be more in touch with ghosts, and we'll get into why it's in quotes very soon. And here from another perspective, that I may be a channel for them is uh, is so awesome. So what I wanted to write in about originally is my current thoughts on ghosts. 
It is still only a theory with a few holes, but the overall makes sense to me. I believe we all are carrying energy in that it's not a spirit, but a different current of energy, not yet scientifically grounded. When we have events happen in our lives, that energy can be discharged into the surroundings. This is why you get those occurrences with antiques and houses. The materials hold onto the energy and at times may release some. So when houses are torn down, you get all this energy release causing a higher amount of hauntings. Like with my story, there's always some sort of housework being done during the highlighted events. It also gives credit to how it uses other energy sources. It boosts the current spiritual energy and can cause a hologram effect, apparitions, and can bend time and space poltergeist and can affect us, giving us the emotions and weird vibes. A lot of this is based on quantum mechanics, but I do not have a full grasp of the field, so cannot go too far in depth with that. The intelligence of certain ghosts is an area I do not quite understand, but if this is spiritual energy and has our identity attached to it, how else would it project our old bodies? It could be assumed a part of our consciousness may also be interlaced. As you mentioned on today's episode, I agree that this energy will only stay around for so long. Like with all energy, it will diminish and be released into the area and be used by the world once again. Just wanted to give some of my personal insight. And if you have any questions or want further follow-up, please feel free to ask me by email. I, do, I don't think I have ever used so many quotation marks. Also, the most recent episode is currently still uh, set to private on YouTube. Oh, I see. This this guy uh, emailed right when we... Because when we released the episodes, he was saying one was private on YouTube and it was posted as it's up. Because we release them at the same time or try to on YouTube and iTunes. And sometimes the timing doesn't match up by like a hour or so so okay. that's all taken care of love the show and the addition of your wife has been wonderful love the extra banter it brings keep up the great work i'll keep listening thank you very much when he said quantum mechanics mm-hmm. i thought of quantum leap but another uh, great show with a theme song i i agree with him you know i've always thought it has to do with energy and you can't create or destroy it but i i believe you can probably disperse it and so I, I buy into what he said. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense kind of what we're just talking about with the haunted school stuff, too. Mm-hmm. If, you know, because there's so much energy being dispelled right then. If that's the case, then that would, you know, that totally adds up. That would be the, the reason for, you know, the ghosts. Great. Quantum Leap. Hey, Scott Bakula was one hell of a quantum leaper. He sure was. What's Scott Bakula doing these days? Is he on any shows anymore? I don't know. He would like bounce around to a couple different shows after that, like a lot of uh, made-for-TV movies and such. But Mm -hmm. when's the last time they did a made-for-TV movie? Does anybody do made-for-TV movies anymore? Lifetime. Well, other than Lifetime. I mean, yeah, like Hallmark Channel that does stuff. That's what kind of sucks about all these cable networks that are out there now. You have the Hallmark Channel. That totally took away the, you know, Hallmark movie that they'd put out on the network you know it's like a what was it, like hallmark hall of fame or something yeah it was like a sunday night thing every once good. in a while they, and they were, were like really well produced movies and now it's just you know on cable and it's no big deal nobody watches it cable killed saturday morning cartoons it killed a lot of things yeah and that's you know, there's there's more ghost shows on there but you know there's only like one or two that are worth watching some of They're them are so, so annoying overly produced it's just sickening to watch uh, let's go to another letter. Uh, this next letter, let's see here, is coming into us from Brian. Brian writes in, Before I start, I just want to say that I love your show, listen to it all the time. Recently, you've been talking about the different types of ghost poltergeists. Uh, so I just wanted to say uh, what I thought about it. I think people ghosts are just that, people. Perhaps ghosts work in the same way humans do. And in that they have different skills and abilities that allow them to interact with our world. Some may be able to push doors, while others can't. And I would say it goes the same for their emotions or nature. Just how people can do bad things, ghosts can do the same. Maybe they just choose who to be. In that sense, I think it makes identifying them or classifying them into different things a lot harder. You're right, it it does, because it's hard to figure out is this just an asshole ghost or is this, uh, <laughs> you know, a ghost that uh, is demonic? Perhaps the generalization of a ghost uh, is the way it should be in the same way humans are classified as humans. Just a thought. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, I, I think that's pretty well on track. Yeah, I don't think you can loop 
lump everybody into one category yeah. once they're dead. Yeah, I think there's different types of ghosts out there, but it can get tricky depending on what you're dealing with. Anyway, I'd like to tell two stories. One of them is uh, my teacher's and the other is mine. We had been talking about supernatural stuff when my teacher told us the story of an exorcism she had gone to see as a teenager. Wow. I wish I could see an exorcism as a teenager. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was a historical landmark of sorts. Uh, and they were led down these stairs to an underground room. She felt strange going down the stairs and began to feel nauseous when she entered the room. It was normal by all measures, except that she saw a boy in her mind standing somewhere in the room. When the tour guide asked what was wrong, she told him about the boy. The tour guide asked what he looked like. I don't think this is actually an exorcism. I think this is something like a... An exorcism implies... they're excising a demon out of a, a human. I think he may have just used the wrong term. I don't know. Finish the story. Continuing on. Yeah. Um, when the tour guide asked what was wrong, she told him about the boy. The tour guide asked what he looked like, and she responded that he was wearing old clothes, similar to what would have been worn in the 50s or 60s. The tour guide responded that a boy fitting that description had been killed on the grounds. My teacher was let out of the room, and she says she has been experiencing supernatural things since then. She mentions that at one point she no longer wanted to see or feel anything, and her experiences with the other side have died down since then. And that's her story. I get into mind perhaps the reason we don't hear ghosts before the last century is because their energies eventually dissipate. It doesn't make sense to me that these energies are self-reliant or that they have a power source of sorts, so perhaps they eventually disappear because their energies run out. Just a thought, I guess. My story happened last year. I had been lying down in my bed and could see the light of my father's lamp in my parents' rooms. They stay up late, so I decided to go to sleep. Before I even closed my eyes, though, I realized I couldn't move my body. I knew what sleep paralysis was and understand the effects, but had never experienced it before. I assumed it was that, so I gave it no thought. But at that moment, my body started falling backwards. I think maybe the better word is pulled, actually. I heard that sleep paralysis usually has a pushing sensation, so I became worried. Then I noticed that my eyes were being forced shut as I noticed a dark figure standing in the corner of my room. The light in my parents' room was fading, and I tried calling out, but even though I was moving my mouth, nothing came out. All of a sudden, I shot up, and everything is back to normal. I haven't seen or felt that way ever since. Again, on that note, perhaps the reason people describe the same sort of witch or old woman sitting on their chest during sleep paralysis has something to do with the human's instincts. I heard that some of our inherent abilities, skills, or even knowledge comes from our ancestors. So perhaps the idea of a witch sitting on people's chests has something to do with our ancestral pasts? Who knows, really? It's been interesting uh, in these things. I've had an interest in these things since a very early age, so I simply love to talk and about the supernatural. I love the show since I found it about and listen to each episode as soon as it comes out. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Old hag syndrome. I don't understand how everybody can see the same thing. Well, I don't get that really quite either. You know, it's... I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea why that is. But... I, I think in some cases, people don't see the same things. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's more so the... The way that should probably be put is most cases people say they see the same thing, not everyone. There's cases where it's, you know, just other projections of things out there, things they can't see. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's a lot of variations to it. But it is very strange that there is such, that there is such a, a relevancy to people seeing the the old woman because I could see it if you hallucinated if they if it was just said that you know it's common to hallucinate seeing something sure but for so many people to hallucinate the same thing well why do when people hallucinate you know sometimes you have people who will see bugs I don't know you know the mind goes to bugs you know I, I don't know that that's a common hallucination no no okay I, I I know I know that that is possible, but I don't know that that's a common one. Okay. And that's why I'm even more confused is because when people hallucinate, it's their mind that 
is projecting what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. So for so many people that have the same projection, that's that to me is just fascinating. It makes me think it's maybe more than a hallucination. Yeah, I mean, it does put your mind to thinking that there may be more to it. At the same point, just, I don't know, because it usually there's nothing else really attached to it half the time. It's usually just that, and there's not really any other activity that goes on. It's just kind of strictly what essentially amounts to the sleep paralysis mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, it makes you wonder if your mind, if, if whatever, you know, your mind stores different things in different parts. And the human mind, I think, probably stores similar things in my mind the same place as yours for different things it makes you wonder if something when you're in that state because it's so rare to get into that state if there's some sort of um you know paternal memory or something that's being stored near that area where those neurons are firing Mm -hmm. and it happens to be that that is somewhere where it's storing memory of a grandparent or an elderly I don't know. This is it's it. right next to the Halloween storage compartment. Right there. Okay. Right where it's storing that and the Oreos. Okay. <laughs> if somebody knows, let us know. Why is it? I have no idea. I, I really don't know. I've often wondered if when people do hallucinate and it's not the this dream scenario, yeah, yeah. if are they really hallucinating or are they really seeing something else? Oh, that's a hard one to tell. You know, I think. The immediately right off of it being um, the sleep paralysis is going to be if if there's nothing else going on. But if you do that in the setting of this is a building with documented or you know, somewhat documented paranormal activity, then suddenly it's a whole different ball game, and people are like, "Nope, this could have been something else." Especially if what you're hallucinating and seeing would be something that other people have reported seeing as well. Sure. And you had no knowledge of it, then you'd almost have to say, "Okay, this is not just." you hallucinating you know right yeah it's uh it's a very interesting troubling thing i'm just glad when i had that feeling and the going through me i didn't open my eyes you didn't i did not so you didn't see it i didn't see anything i i had my eyes shut and honestly when i look back on it and i think about it i don't know if i even could have opened my eyes because i i could not move mm-hmm. so i honestly i i half of me wonders if i just was not able to open my eyes period I probably would have, you know, but I, I didn't. I just, I was frozen and I couldn't move, but I knew I was awake. And that was, that was the scariest feeling I could ever have gone through. Was that? <laughs> it felt like something was floating through me and then it was done and I was freaked out. I'm sure. So next letter comes into us from uh, uh, Alex. Alex writes in, uh, this is a friend of mine's story. It's a little long, so I apologize in advance. No need to apologize for long stories, Alex. We appreciate them. As a frame of reference, he and I have been friends since high school, but he shared experiences that only came from several months ago after he experienced this situation and told me about it. The conversation happened over uh, Instant Messenger. He's in California. Uh, I remember it with some ridiculous... uh, It was at some ridiculous hour for both of us. He lives in Oxford, England, but at the time of the event, he was visiting a family member uh, about 20 kilometers northeast of Coburg, Ontario. That's relevant only because it means he was demonstrably out in the sticks, as he'd put it. His uncle owned a nice house at a large plot of land, but he didn't work it like his neighbors. This was farmland, but he was the owner of a small construction company and had done well enough to own a lot of acreage without the need to do anything productive with it. He kept a parcel of it around the house, well manicured, but beyond that there was a lot of brush that was wild, stretching over a click in any direction from the house. He apparently got to his place by heading up one of those ridiculously long and unpleasant dirt driveways that people with land tend to have. My friend says it was ironic, given my uncle's job. He focused mainly on infrastructure contracts, roads, and bridges. Anyway, his uncle had some money in an area and didn't really have much. He also had arguably the nicest house and nicest lawn and largest, ugliest, most unkept plots of land in the area. My friend like his, uh, likes his uncle, but acknowledges he was not a popular man, either with his employees or with his neighbors. The uncle knew this. So, when he decided to head to the Florida Keys with his girlfriend, post-second ex-wife, he decided to fly my friend into town to house it. 
My friend was just fishing on his own, uh, or was just finishing his own first divorce and needed a break from England. And the nobody but his wife, and, and knew that nobody but his uh, wife knew that he was there. He showed up with just the suitcase of clothes. The house was stocked with food and booze and a thousand cable channels, Wi-Fi, and a very nice outdoor hot tub. Which, by the way, is an amazing thing in winter in Canada. <laughs> okay. He'd uh, been there a couple days, was spending a total of eight there by himself, when the first real snowfall started happening. In Canada, at the start of winter, you'll generally get a couple of days or weeks or a fistful of wispy snow that doesn't have the endurance or weight to stick around for more than an hour. But after a while, the cold seeps into the ground, the flakes suddenly get heavier, and one day, or in this case, night, you're looking at a calm, heavy snowfall that you know will change the landscape in a couple of hours. This was a night like that. He decided since it wasn't abominably cold outside, and he'd already had a couple beers, that it'd be a great idea to flip open the lid of the hot tub and soak while it snowed. He's right. It really is a spectacular idea. And if you ever get a chance to be in a hot tub outside when it's snowing, I recommend it, especially at night, he writes. And on my note, I, I do too. I think that's a great time. I love being in the hot tub when it's snowing. For anyone who's never been in a heavy snowfall, not a blizzard, that involves heavy snowfall and high winds, it makes everything extremely peaceful. This is because you lose sight of almost everything beyond a couple hundred feet, and it gets incredibly quiet. Snow is a great sound insulator, and it falls around you in heavy curtains and slowly builds up on the ground. You get less and less of the ambient noise you're used to, so even what little there is, little light there is at night and winter in the country, even that goes away. All he could hear was a compressor on the central heating unit and the bubbles in the tub. The water jets in his tub were time to go off, go off after 15 minutes and had to be turned on by poking a button if he wanted more. So after 20 minutes, he was sitting in silence. The only noises he heard were the house settling in the cold under the weight of the new snow, whatever sounds he made himself. The only lights he had were in the tub, and coming from the sliding door that led to the kitchen, he was facing away from the house, looking out over the property and whirling describes much of the farmland outside of Coburg. He was considering going inside for another drink, staring uh, down into the water of the pool, zooming out on the refracted light from the bulb underneath, when he looked up and saw a shape darker than everything around it slowly moving across the yard. But a quarter of the distance out from the edge of the woods and where he was, he didn't hear any snow crunch footfalls or heavy twigs or branches snapping. He assures me it was quiet enough to hear a pin drop. He watched it for a few minutes. It was moving extremely slowly. So much, he couldn't determine if it was actually walking or just moving. He decided to call out to it, hoping it was a neighbor, or as he puts it, some hot chick wanting to warm up in the jacuzzi. It froze. It went so still, my friend had trouble seeing it anymore. My friend was scared, too. He was in his underwear, outside in the cold, in a hot tub of water. He felt pretty exposed. He shifted his head slightly and confirmed it was still there. It was blocking the lighter, snow-covered pines behind it. At this point, he killed the lights in the hot tub, which made sense at the time. He wanted to be able to see whatever it was better, and the lights were interfering with that. As soon as the lights went out, the thing started moving towards my friend, faster this time in a steady walk. It was at this time he noticed that it had no defined edges. It was vaguely man-shaped, two arms, two legs, head, and very thin. My friend says at this point he wigged out and threw his empty beer bottle at it, which had no effect at all, and then lurched out of the hot tub, across the deck, and into the kitchen. He slammed the sliding door shut, and when he did, he slipped on the floor, tile floor, grabbed the counter, got a mason jar of flour or sugar instead that went sailing off to explode all over the kitchen floor. So there he is, sitting on the floor, surrounded by broken glass and flour, back against the counter, sliding door to his left. He pushes the rest of it shut with his left foot and looks out. It's standing just at the other side of the hot tub, and he swears it was looking up directly at him. It's a lot easier to see now, and he remembers it being like a bad animation of dense black scribbles or like a weird, twitchy transmission from a sci-fi movie. 
There were those vertical gray plastic blinds on the sliding door, so he reached up for the pull chain and drew it across the window and shuttered them. He says he sat there afraid to move for over an hour until he'd calmed down and reassured uh, half a dozen times he'd been drunk or sleepy and made it all up. Then he remembered laughing at how pissed his uncle was going to be that the mason jar had cracked a floor tile when it landed. So he gingerly got up, noted a few bruises and a cut, and spent about 20 minutes sweeping and wiping up the mess. By then, after another beer to calm his nerves, he decided that being afraid of the dark was bullshit and wanted to go back outside to soak his bruises before bed. He remembered really having to work hard to open the blinds. He compares it to the first time he jumped off a full-size diving board when he was a kid. He stood up there for 15 minutes, screwing up the, or scouring up the courage to make the jump. He said this felt exactly like it. Most of him wanted to lock up all the doors and hide in bed until morning. My friend is extremely stubborn and not a little, and not a little macho, even alone. Finally, he started opening the blinds. He also turned on the exterior porch light before he went out. He stepped out into the cold and saw absolutely nothing weird. All signs of the weird black man shape were gone. He stared into the woods all around the yard that he could see and found nothing at all. He remembered being unsettled by something when he was looking around but couldn't figure out what. So he took a fresh beer and got into the hot tub. He'd been in there, relaxing for about 10 minutes when he glanced up to find his beer, saw it, grabbed it, got a mouthful of snow. He remembers staring at the bottle for a few moments, completely confused. When he looked around, he saw another beer sitting on the other side, his fresh beer. He could still see the liquid in it. He was holding the bottle he threw. Still, in a state of shock, just like before it hits you, he looked out all over the yard and saw tracks all over it. All the same footprint, which was in the shape of a foot but missing separate toes. All the way up to the hot tub and the part that put him over the edge... I would have already evacuated my bowels by now, he says, was that not one of the tracks got within 10 feet of the edge of the lawn. None of them started at the edge of the woods. They all started and ended in the yard. At this point, with the last bit of stubbornness violently erased, he bolted inside, left the tub running all night because screw it, he closed, locked the sliding door, flicked on the security system, ran upstairs to the guest room and played video games where the lights cracked until he saw light outside. The next morning, he had breakfast, bundled up, and went outside to scope the area in the daylight. It had kept snowing all night, but the tracks and their disposition were still pretty visible. The only thing different was the hot tub had been closed and turned off. Several hours of snow lay atop of it, along with two empty beer bottles. What do, you, what do you think? Do you think it was a ghost or do you think it was somebody else? I don't know. I mean, that seems fairly dark. I'd be interested to see what those footprints were like. Yeah. In more detail. That doesn't sound like anything good. No. It doesn't sound like a human ghost. It kind of sounds like some sort of dark entity. You know, it's interesting. He sounds like a fairly heavy drinker, too. <laughs> the ghost? No, no, the guy. Well, it sounds like the ghost finished the beers. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and that I've heard that story or stories of that nature too of dark things being attracted to um, people when they're intoxicated. Yeah, they probably know they can get away with whatever they're doing under the pretense of somebody thinking they're intoxicated, so they're. Well, that I mean, there's that, mm-hmm. and and there's also the depressive state that that alcohol can put you in as a depressant mm-hmm. um so i almost you know i wonder you know if that could be part of it you know if, if this dark entity was you know this man sounded like he was a little bit troubled to begin with there was he was just going through a divorce it wasn't a, probably exactly a super happy time in his life sure um probably a lot of negative energy going around him maybe he's drinking heavily just trying to kind of relax and you know just kind of get away from some stuff and you know not that he was doing that to conjure anything up but it's just you know he was in a dark place in his life maybe at that moment and that attracted whatever this was out there that maybe already existed on the property or in the area and it was coming in you know maybe it was attracted to him why do you think they're attracted to depressed 
or people that are experiencing a downtime or or even chronically depressed because they're more susceptible to uh i think control maybe and to if it's like why they'd be attracted to electronic objects or things it's a it's something that can be manipulated a lot easier than um a rock okay you know so if there's a lot of negative energy going on someone who is depressed may be easier in the real world taken advantage of or manipulated you know i suppose maybe even easier if if you're an entity that can can take control of someone spiritually or mentally or chemically you know it may be an easier that makes sense takeover yeah well that makes sense I think that could be it. I don't know. That's just my opinion. No, there's there's something to that. Yeah. The phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Or you can write into us uh, on our website, as obviously a lot of folks have been doing. We greatly appreciate that. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com is where you do that. And of course, no matter what platform you're listening to us on, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, give us some positive reviews if you like the show, some stars, all that really helps us grow, lets more people know about the show, helps us climb those rankings and those ratings. Especially if they're on iTunes, we really appreciate that, consistently sitting in the top 10 in the uh, the sciences section. Uh, and that's awesome, because lots of folks are finding about the show and really enjoying it. I love hearing where people are using our show. Because it's just kind of fun. You know, we sit here, we do the show, and we enjoy doing the show. But it's it's fun hearing, uh, you know, somebody saying, hey, it was a 4th of July camp, uh, campfire with our family. We're sitting around, and we turned on your show, and we all listen to ghost stories. That's cool. You know, I guess it it's not the family telling the ghost stories, which is fun, but they're listening to us tell the ghost stories, which is, is fun, too. So yeah. that's cool, and I really appreciate that. That is cool. Thank you. So wherever you're listening to us, I know we get a lot of folks through work days, too, who are, you know, just kind of going through monotonous, you know, jobs, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, God, I need something to take my attention away. So I appreciate that. And, you know, honestly, um, half of the reason I started doing the show was because what I would do when I was doing projects just around the house here um, I was ripping up tile in our basement last year. I was doing all sorts of, you know, fixer-upper jobs. And what I would listen to to get me through that, uh, I would search the old Ghost to Ghost AMs, the the Art Bell show, uh-huh. and listen to those because I remember listening to those Halloween episodes every year growing up, and I loved them. And, of course, they're pirated and they're all over YouTube. Um, so I would tune some of those in. And we just, you can kind of zone out and do something. I thought, you know, I love listening to those. I know a lot of people like those, you know, but those are once a year shows. Sure. Like, what if we do one of these every week or a couple of these a week and then people can listen to them and enjoy them the same way I enjoy listening to them. So that's kind of, you know, that's why we're doing it because it's fun and I know people would enjoy them. It's hopefully. our little bit of Halloween every day. It is. It really is. Favorite holiday and, you know, yes. it's a fun topic. Next letter comes into us from Maddie. Maddie writes in, I write this because I have never heard of anything like this happening. Phantom house fire is what she calls it. Ooh, I have a good thing to interject at the end of this one. Remind me about unsolved mysteries at the end of the story and phantom house fire. Okay. Okay. When I was a child, I I lived in a house in a village in Sussex, England. We had two houses on the property, a smaller guest house and the main house. While vacationing in Spain, we received a phone call telling us that our house had been burnt down. We later found out that it was due to an electrical fault in a hot tub. We flew home the next day to find the entire top story had burnt and fell through the lower floor. The house was being family friends who were also dog-sitting for our German shepherd. Luckily, no one was hurt. We temporarily moved to a guest cottage while we rebuilt the damaged house. One night, while we were hanging out in the living room, a glowing caught our eye on the other side of the valley. The house was set back a few miles from the village, but you could see the street and church perched on the hill opposite. Our dog began to growl and became extremely frightened by the light, which we later assumed was due to being in our house at the time of the fire. We gathered around the window and looked at the binoculars to find a large house burning down. We were in complete shock. We could see the fire inside the house and that after 20 or 30 minutes of watching it, we witnessed the windows blowing out. It was really intense. We could see flashing lights from the emergency services and we were praying that nobody was hurt. The next morning, we studied the houses across the valley and couldn't see the burnt house. 
We have a family friend in the fire department in our area and asked him about the fire the next day. He seemed confused and said that if there had been a fire of that size, he would have been called for it. We were extremely confused. I did some research and couldn't find any information of previous fires. We also drove by and only found houses and nursing homes built around the 50s and 60s and no fire-damaged properties. It was all so real and was witnessed by my entire family and dog. I still cannot explain this. I wonder if it was a ghostly apparition of a fire that happened in the past or perhaps it was a shift in time or dimension. I really don't know. I also don't know how relevant our own fire was to this experience. Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Love your show. Thanks. I've never heard of anything like that. Of a phantom fire. No, I haven't. I have. Okay. On Unsolved Mysteries. Okay. On the ghost shows. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was um, the one uh, about the haunted bunk bed in Horicon, Wisconsin. The father in that story uh, was drawn into his house. He was coming home late from work one night and had his lunch pail in hand. Uh, pulled up to his house and saw his garage on fire. And his family was in the house. Okay. So he runs in the house to get the family out because he's seeing smoke Mm -hmm. and fire, flames shooting out of the garage. Goes into the house. His lunch pail gets knocked out of his hand like something kicks it out of the hand, flies across the room. He doesn't know what the hell happened there, so that confuses him. He shouts at his family to get out of the house because it's on fire. They go outside. There's no fire. Okay. So, interesting. And the rest of that story, if you aren't familiar with the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, uh, they bought a bunk bed. And uh, the children started reporting seeing things in their room. They narrowed it down eventually to all these weird things were happening at the time they bought the bunk bed. And... That was the only variable that had changed in their life. They've been in the house before, nothing strange going on. Bunk bed, weird things start happening. They get rid of the bunk bed, things stop happening. Okay. That's the story. Horicon, Wisconsin. And every time I go to Horicon, Wisconsin, which is not far from where I grew up, uh, I think of that story. I'm sure they are all very proud that when people think of Horicon, Wisconsin, they think of haunted bunk beds. Exactly. Wow. Which, you know... And I, I probably very few people think of haunted bunk beds, but I certainly do. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting about that story to me is that it was a, a brand new bunk bed. It wasn't like an antique or anything they bought. They bought it, you know, at like a you know, your typical beds yeah. for less mattress store or whatever, you know, that sort of a deal. So just lumber. What? I don't know. Um, maybe there was something going on with the person that helped make it. I I have no idea. I could see that. You know, what about... Here's a thought. You know, there was... This is probably a far stretch. But, you know, uh, the way that people were executed years ago. Lots of hangings from trees. Oh... You're thinking of... I'm thinking the tree that was used for some executions at some point, you know, that ended... I'm talking long time ago. I know. Maybe these are, you know, grown-up big trees now, that sort of stuff. Nobody really knew that these trees had been used. You know, lumber company comes in, buys up some property. Uh, you know, or maybe not even execution, maybe it's a suicide. You know, I don't know. Uh, lumber company buys up property, tears down trees... No clue what's happened with these trees. Lumber has attached energy to it. There you go. Haunted bunk bed. I don't know. Let's count for that one right now. Wow. Um, well, that totally makes me afraid of reclaimed anything. Um, <laughs> We're not doing any wood products in our home anymore. It's all plastics. Nothing Plastics new. and asbestos. Nothing old. Nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Just a thought. I could see that. I mean probably be a stretch to say that's probably what happened in that case but i never would have thought about that at all what would you do if do you think you'd be able to narrow it down if something started happening because that'd be difficult to do i think especially because that'd be the last thing i'd be thinking of that's causing a haunting 
I would try to narrow it down and I'm pretty good at problem solving and, and figuring things out for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as cause and effect or what variable has influenced what. If that's the only thing that had changed and it would directly affect the children and the children's sleep, that wouldn't have been that hard to figure out. That it was the new bunk bed you bought from the store. That they started freaking out once they yeah. got that new bed and they were fine with their old bed. Yeah. And then would you be fine with just getting rid of the bed completely, like just disposing of it, or would you just remove it temporarily to see if that fixes? It depends the issue? on it depends on how serious the the events were that were going on, and yeah. and if they were consistent. And we thought, yeah, there's really something going on here. It's gone. Yeah, it is. It is so gone at the edge of the curb. Take it away. Sure. And then you know what happens. Somebody sees, oh, look, great new bunk bed at the edge no, of the curb. here's what I would do. I would be that person because I would be worried about somebody else getting it. <laughs> Put it out. Haunted bunk haunted bed. Haunted bunk bed. Do not take for your child. Oh, someone would take it. Someone would take it. Well, if they have a fair warning by my note on this bunk bed, then and they take it, then that's, that's their issue. You know, that's interesting because there's a lot of times... You know, you drive down the road and you see people putting stuff out on the curb. And sometimes you see stuff on the curb and you go, looks like it's brand new. That's pretty decent stuff. I I might could repaint that and use it somewhere. Is there a reason this is putting being put out? You know. Now I'm going to think twice before I ever pull anything off the curb. Because, you know, sometimes in our neighborhood, like there was that porch swing that one day and I really wanted to get it, but I missed it. The truck got sure. it first. Yeah, sometimes there's just decent stuff that people are just, you know, they don't have space for it, you know. We get rid of decent stuff all the time. That's Yeah, but we most of the time donate. We don't Sure, we don't just drop it off the it. curb, yeah. Interesting. Next time we do trash something, I'm just going to put a sign that says haunted, do not take, <laughs> just for fun. And then I'm going to put a camera up and just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> just get the reactions of the people. All right. Uh, what you really should do then is actually insert some sort of like timed, like if it has like a cushion or something in it, insert a, a speaker of some sort and have it timed so it starts making noises <laughs> <laughs> when people are coming up to it. You can manipulate it. That would be great fun. Uh, okay. Uh, next letter comes into us uh, from Sonia. Sonia, Sonia writes in, uh, I live in England in a small town in the outskirts of London. Growing up, both myself and members have experienced many paranormal events. However, the most frightening of them uh, all was my own experience as a child. I still remember it clearly in my mind when I was around five years of age, I had been playing in my grandma's bedroom as we lived in the same house at that exact same time. I managed to get myself locked in. I cried out for my mother, and my father rushed outside the door to try and open and free me. My grandmother's room at the time had no nets or curtains. All I could see was the darkness of the night as I looked out. I suddenly remember seeing three heads just floating around in the air. No bodies, just them rotating around one another as you see cartoon images of planets. One of them being a South Asian-looking man with no hair but a bushy beard, and the other being an old and gray man, and the final final one appearing to be an angry man with a terrifying face. It terrified me, and I let out a blood-curdling scream as my mother described it. My father shouted for me to stand back and booted the door down in fear that I had an, had an accident. Many years on, around the time I got to the age of 10, my aunt had a similar experience in another room, again, a room in which the window is located around the back of the house. She said she had woken from a nap to see a huge face the size of her window of an angry, gray old man staring right at her. Terrified, she ran screaming, leaving my eight-month-old cousin in the room, and my grandmother returned to get her but saw absolutely nothing. There you go. Check out the carbon monoxide. Yeah. I've never heard of the floating heads. I'm not discounting it, saying that it couldn't have been a ghost story. No, I'm I, not either. It's I, just new to me. It's one of those, though, that I do say it's kind of wacky, you know, where rotating heads, different looks, a giant head looking in a window. I believe they saw these things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's it's again it's it's one of those that I also uh, say that it could be a poisoning of some sort of of a carbon monoxide type thing just because that sort of thing happens when when you uh, essentially have carbon monoxide poisoning. There's a lot of hauntings that have been explained that way. Okay. Of hallucin- essentially, you're kind of hallucinating and mm-hmm. seeing very bizarre things. Or it could have been a haunting. I don't know. But that's one I would say, check that out. I said the same thing about the trolls, didn't I? One of the troll stories, yeah. Yeah, where it's just, it gets a little wacky and it could have been essentially other memories being projected out there when your mind has been poisoned with something. Yeah. Just a thought. So not not discounting that they saw it. No, you're not at all. Sure that I they believe saw they it, saw it. Yeah, it's but just... what was causing them to see it is okay. my question. Was it an act, was it paranormal or was their mind essentially under the influence of something? Okay. You know, that they were unaware that they were under the influence of. Anyway. On uh, phone number to call 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Another Sonia writing in. I work at a daycare nursery. There's a lot of history to it prior to it becoming a nursery. It was a residential care home for the elderly. And prior to that, it was a shared house in which nurses of the local hospital used to rent rooms and lived in. One day, I was on the latest shift at my workplace. I had been tidying some toys and placing them into a basket right next to the door of the cot room, which for child protection reasons has a small window built into the door in order to be able to see what's happening in the room. Anyway, from the corner of my eye, I noticed a white faint figure moving inside the cot room. There's no way it could have been any of my colleagues as they were tidying the other rooms. Freaked out, I rushed out of the room as quick as I could, got my belongings in my locker, and thought about it as I walked home. It was only the next day when I mentioned it to another colleague that they mentioned that they had strange occurrences happen too. One of them mentioned they had found lights turned on after they had turned them off. Another claimed to have seen a man standing at one of the doors and disappeared shortly after. I do feel as though my workplace may be haunted, as we often see the children staring at the ceilings or corners of the room and smiling for no apparent reason, sometimes laughing or waving at what we just see as thin air. I hate it when our two-year-old does that exact same thing, because I never know if she's seeing something or not. You know? Mm-hmm. I know that they can see things. <sighs> She plays a lot of pretend, though. Did you ever see... When you played pretend, I would pretend I was playing with other things, but I never would see them. But I guess I would act as if I was. Mm -hmm. So to an adult looking at the child, I could have very well... If I would look at videos of myself, if I could do that, um, and see me playing, you would see me waving at things that weren't there. Mm -hmm. You would see me talking to things that weren't there. But I vividly remember being that kid and playing and not seeing anything there. There was nothing there I was looking And I knew that. I was just pretending there was something there. So I think there's a lot of kids who do that. Sure, there's a lot of kids that do that. It just depends on at what age they are. You know, and sure. the younger they are that they're doing that, the less likely it is that they are actually cognitively doing that meaning that they're they're playing make-believe with somebody sure i see what you're saying now when i had my you know imaginary friend when i was a child yeah i can even remember to this day what he looked like you looked you could see him or you pretended to see him i don't know because i knew what he looked like so i don't know if i actually was seeing him or if i had figured him out or come up with how he looked in my mind Mm mm-hmm but I had him for like a year or so. Yeah. And then I remember telling my mom when I stopped playing with my imaginary friend that he'd moved to Oklahoma. We lived in <laughs> Texas at the time, so he moved to Oklahoma. We knew that nothing good came of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I was old enough, you know, I was old enough to be able to have an imaginary friend and, and play pretend and all that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Our daughter's a little bit young, and, and I would imagine some of these kids that she's referring to are probably a little bit too young to be playing and, and doing make-believe, you know? Sure. My imaginary friend was my conscience. Uh, conscience. Uh, it, it was I named it Mark. I don't know why. Um, and uh, it was just, you know, the voice in my head yeah, <laughs> saying, that's not a good idea. You shouldn't do that, Tony. You know, just 
normal, you know. My imaginary friend was a boy, and he and I had make-believe weddings all the time. There you go. Yeah. You were playing getting married to a ghost. Maybe. <laughs> Could have been. I mean, that's interesting. That I mean, really, can you place at any point actually seeing him? Like, is there any, you know, when you think back to, you know, just cognitively looking around the room as a child playing with toys, is there any point where you remember seeing this, the character, the the imaginary friend out there? You know, it's been so long. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But I can remember what he looked like. And I never really thought about it before. But some of the things he would wear were not what kids my age were wearing. What would he wear? He had a hat that he always wore and um, suspenders. Okay, listeners, <laughs> ghost or imaginary friend? And I've never really thought about it. And I never really told anybody what it looked like. But I know I can still see him to this day in my mind what he looked like. Do you remember how you initially started playing with him? Or like mm-hmm. the first time or what brought him about? Or No, I don't. Just... Hey, it's an imaginary friend to play with, like kids and I'd, have. I'd have to ask my mom, because I don't know if it coincided with when my brother was born and it was something that I did to kind of cope, mm-hmm. or if it was before or, or after, because I don't really, all those years kind of run together. Sure. That's interesting. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I don't now know. Now that you're, because you just kind of had a moment there where you're like, I wonder if it was a ghost. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Another letter here. This one comes to us. Uh, it says, my mother had told me that when she was a child, two weeks or so prior to my granddad's death, a stranger appeared at my grandmother's front door, claiming to be of the same Asian descent as my mother and her family. It seems strange as even to this day, there are very few families in my town that are of that descent. He claimed to have been discharged from a hospital as he had been there the following uh, train accident and said that he was starving and he didn't want to eat in the hospital. My grandmother offered him food and money for travel as he said he had no money on him. He went on to talk about his family and mentioned his mother died of an asthma attack. My grandfather also suffered from asthma, and the man recommended a doctor and gave my grandmother his contact details. My mother said she felt uneasy the whole time he was there and doubted whether he was even human or who he said he is. A couple weeks later, my grandfather died of an asthma attack. Shortly after his death, a young girl in her early teens appeared at my grandmother's door, asking for a person of which my grandmother had never heard of. She seemed very hesitant and weary of her surroundings. My grandmother looked out the window to see her go, but there was no sign of her. There's no way she could have physically gotten away that quickly and did not hear any car drive away either. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Interesting ghost hospital visit. 855-853-4802 if you have a real ghost story to share with us. 855-853-4802. One more quick one before we wrap up the show for today. Uh, This says, we live in a newly built house and have done so for the past six years, located next door to a train station. One summer, my father had gone abroad to visit visit his mother. We were all upset as he was going for three months, and we decided to all spend the night sleeping in the same room. The next day, my mother asked me what I was doing up so late in the night in front of the mirror and doing my hair past midnight. I had no clue what she was talking about. She said that she had woken from her sleep to find me sitting in front of the mirror with my back to her, combing my long brunette hair, wearing a white top and black bottoms. She said she called my name a few times and I didn't respond. And with a blink, the person or being who appeared to be me had vanished. She then panicked and wondered where I was, only to see me fast asleep at the foot of her bed in pink pajamas and not the white top and black bottom she saw me in earlier. We did hear a lot of strange noises for the first few years living in that home, like heavy footsteps coming from the master room as we live in a three-story house. They stopped after we performed a religious house cleansing performed by a priest. However, even to this day, both my siblings and I have an uneasy feeling of being watched or fear of something jumping out at us when we enter that part of the house. Is that astro projection? Uh, that's interesting. 
did she see the face? I don't. It's because it almost to me in my mind I was picturing the mother like looking at the girl from her back doing her hair thinking it's her daughter. Mm-hmm. So I guess it could be astral projection. And she just assumed that it was a girl, you know, because it was a girl in her daughter's room, that it was her daughter, which would be the natural assumption there. Yeah. So I don't know. And I said, if you have other ghostly things going on, I could see it just being a ghost and just making the assumption, hey, it's your daughter. Okay. You know, I don't know. That's that's where I would, my mind would, would take it anyway. If you have a real ghost story, you can write into us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at realghoststoriesonline.com. Or you can uh, call us 24-7 as well. We'd love to hear your voice telling your ghost story. 855-853-4802 is the phone number. 855-853-4802. It's a toll-free call. And uh, just uh, share your ghost story. We would absolutely love to hear it and share it on a future episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, when you end this episode, do a little sharing for us. Give us some stars on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us. That helps us grow. It helps us get more ghost stories and deliver a better show to you every single week. So, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski from RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Thank you for listening.